Hey, podcast listener, before we get started, I just wanted to forewarn you that the audio on my side is not very good because I forgot to plug in my microphone when I recorded with Brian. Yes, a season 12 year plus podcaster makes mistakes from time to time. I threw the world's weight in AI processing at it. I don't know how good it did, but uh, it's making it decent. Anyway, some surprises in this episode. Thanks for listening. We're back. Breaking content. Brian, it's been a while. How you doing? Yeah, been a little while. Yeah, doing good, Matt. I'm, I'm back from a couple trips. I've had, I've had some weird health issues <laughs> that I've been battling, but I'm, I think I'm on the, on the other side of that now and just getting back in the swing of things. Last time we chatted, we were sort of going our separate ways on focusing the, one of the tasks that I was working on was, you know, really getting focused on LinkedIn a little bit more to drive traffic. Mm. We had a bit of a therapy session on both sides. My therapy <laughs> session was, should I continue to do this content? You were just getting started with publishing your first few videos to YouTube. So we'll catch the, the listeners mm -hmm. up on that. And uh, then we have another special surprise <laughs> that we'll chat about uh, roughly halfway through. I'll kick it off with the LinkedIn stuff that I was working on. Yeah, uh, it's, been, it's been working and I haven't really ever <clears throat> focused in or dialed in on LinkedIn uh, as much as I, I have here uh, in the last you know month or so. I've been just looking at my, I use Fathom for my website stats <clears throat> and there is a mm -hmm. definite uptick in the uh, incoming traffic to the WP Minute through LinkedIn as a referrer, much more so than it has been for the previous months. And then LinkedIn sort of gives you this, I don't know, boost of encouragement. It tells you, which I'm sure everyone listening to this who uses LinkedIn has seen, but it will tell you in your updates the impressions and the comments okay. and, you know, just your weekly reach. I think I get an email about that, you know, and it's up like 9,000% because I'm actually using it now. Just, are you just posting your, like your latest content from WP Minute? yeah. I am, and, I, and, I'm, and I'm just putting a much more personal message in it or for it on LinkedIn, stuff I don't do uh -huh. on Twitter as much. The Twitter engagement is just awful, awful. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I think we talked- And on LinkedIn, it's a, it's a bit more long form or- I mean, for me anyway, like long form for me on LinkedIn is like three to four paragraphs. Like, yeah, I open but that's like still like a normal post that people would do on LinkedIn. It's not like Twitter where <clears throat> even though they have longer posts now, people still do short tweets mostly. Yeah, but I'm just getting and I'm not like putting this stuff in a, an Excel spreadsheet or anything like that and, and really measuring it. But I mean, people are engaging more. They're talking. They're leaving comments more, much more than, you know, across the board on on Twitter. And uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's really been working. I, I just feel like I don't wanna be, and this is my problem with all social media, is I start to say, well, I don't wanna be just another person pitching things on social media. How can I make this experience on just LinkedIn a little bit more special? Like with Twitter, like you get to really know who I am, what I do, and 
you know, there's a personality there that I think people know and understand where it might be less so in LinkedIn because it's a mixture of, you know, local professionals that I know and then my friends on the internet. You know, yeah, that's that what I, I that's what I wanted to know is like, <clears throat> are, is there, there's probably a difference in the, like the, the people or the types of people that, there's probably people, people that probably never see your Twitter stuff because they're not Twitter people, they're LinkedIn people. Yeah. And so I've been trying to bridge that bridge that gap a little bit because I still do get, you know, again, local community having, you know, run an agency locally and a car dealership before that and just being, you know, more present in my local community over the last, you know, 15, 20 years. It was weird for me to go and start using LinkedIn a lot for my WordPress and, and the podcasting stuff that I talk about. Well, Gravity Forms, WordPress, podcasting. Those are the three main silos of things that I'm talking about. And something interesting. Do you find it's people who are like really engaged in those things? Like they are. Oh yeah. They, they, either they are podcasters or they are running WordPress sites. Yeah, I, f- I feel like LinkedIn does a much better job at at hitting like targeting. Yeah, at, at way and, and I think that might be the actual. Like in the back of my head, I feel like I'm. What is it when you're not ghosted? What is it when you're pulled out of you when you're pulled out of the algorithm and people don't see you as much? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, um, I know what you're talking about. Yeah, yeah there's, there's like a, a, a word yeah, for that. I forgot what it is. There's a word for it. I can't think of it right now. But I, I really think Twitter doesn't know what to do with me algorithmically, because mm-hmm. I do talk about WordPress. I do talk about podcasting, in two very different ways. This is my yeah. that that's been my biggest uh, complaint of of using Twitter, and it's. But I still, Twitter is still the only one that I ever actually use on a daily basis. Right. I, I really don't use anything else nowhere near as frequently as I'm on Twitter. So I don't know, take, maybe I should, st- I, I really probably should get into LinkedIn. I, I haven't touched it in years. I tried to get into threads, but it's just not sticking. It just yeah. feels like there's not enough people there yet. I never touch Facebook. Um, but with Twitter, yeah, the, the thing that I've always wanted on Twitter is like, some way to sub sub group my fo- or for followers. So if I could, if I could say you could subscribe, you could follow me on Twitter, but sometimes I talk about politics or sometimes I talk about technical web programming, or sometimes I'm talking about bootstrapping in business. And if you, and if, and if you are into pro- politics and you want to hear my opinions on that, subscribe to, to my politics type tweets and, and then, and then I know that if I'm ever doing some, any sort of political rant, only the people who are actually interested in that are going to see it, you know, and I'm not going to annoy the, the people who want to tune politics out, yeah. you know, not that I, and, and that's actually why I almost never tweet about politics is because I know most people don't want to hear about it, Yeah, you know, or like, or like New York sports, right? <laughs> There's so much I want to tweet. Yeah, I certainly don't. But I know that, <laughs> yeah, but like 99% of, of Twitter does not want to hear me talk about the Knicks, you know, mm-hmm. so yeah. So I, I started to think about, so, so there's that, like that experiment of uncovering new social media, investing in it, at least from what I'm doing right now, I'm definitely seeing a positive with and spending a little bit of time, a little extra time. That's all it is. A little extra time of, I'm not running it through chat GPT. Right? I'm just, here's the hook and here's the summary. Here's the value. You know, and I'm only, and the other thing that I'm doing as like air quotes strategy 
is I don't link it in the original post. I put the link in the comments. Why do I do that? I don't know because I see other people do it. <laughs> right. Mm. So I, yeah, and I wonder if LinkedIn because that's the other thing that's really annoying about Twitter is that you, it's it's like a known fact now that if your tweet has a link in it, it's gonna be demoted. Yeah. Right. Like they just they just downplay links for whatever reason. I I wonder if that's the case on LinkedIn. They even downplay like, Twitter. They even downplay video. Like I'll do a three yeah. text a three sentence text update. Like whatever it is I'm doing, I'm either showing you something in podcast world, WordPress world, Gravity Forms world. I'll write a little paragraph and I'll upload a video and then I'll put the rest of it in like the thread of whatever. I'll tag, I won't even tag Gravity Forms. I won't tag my own website. And even the videos don't, you know, I'm talking like two minute videos. I have noticed that about videos. I think that images tend to do better on, on Twitter though. They seem to promote, I mean, you know, there's no like hard and fast rule. It, right. It, it's not going to, it's not like if you put an image on every tweet, it's going to do better. But I do notice that, and this could just be people's behavior too. Like people just might react faster and, and easier when they see an image rather right. than having to read the, the text. Yeah. But yeah. So I did another thing. I, but okay. yeah, that, that like concept of, and this has been, I've had this like in theory for, for months, years at this point, and I've never been able to actually put it into practice, which is... Every week, I want to have a, a big new post, whether that be a video or a newsletter, and then I want to turn that into X number of tweets and LinkedIn posts and whatever else, and it never works that way. I, <laughs> so, you know, social I just, has yeah. always been, you know, reactionary to me, for me, like dy dynamic and reactionary. I don't know, I, I, and I'm sure you've had this discussion with others. And, uh, you know, I, I know when I left my, my last job in podcasting, I talked to other like podcast hosting companies, you know, interviewing me or whatever, like for these roles. And even afterwards, people, you know, not to toot my own horn, but people are like, hey, you know, are you, are you looking for a job? We'd love to have you for like social media. And just too many people look at this stuff as a task. And I get it. I get it. Like I get that you want yeah. to like optimize and you want efficiency, and you think about the content marketing wheel, and you start with the cornerstone content, you slice and dice it, and then you broadcast it everywhere. But the best social media, or the best- It's like personality. Yeah, the best way you're gonna get represented yeah. on social media is personality, and somebody who's living and breathing that industry, and that customer mindset for your brand. I don't know how the hell else you'll do it effectively, because at the end of the day, you're yeah. gonna, a year is going to go by. You're going to look at a spreadsheet and it's going to say you had 13,000 impressions and you're not going to be happy, <laughs> right? So having somebody in the yeah. seat that is experienced and good at this stuff is is tough. For sure. Yeah. I did some. I, yeah. I mean, I, I don't know. I, 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 I do still want to, I want to produce and publish more content this year, but I haven't been able to actually do it yet. That's been a that's been a big challenge. Just like literally time in the day and, and energy wise. I. Most of my tweets, and, and part of the thing is like when I don't tweet very often, it's it's usually because I just have these like quick, not even half-formed thoughts of, of, of some thing I want to share. And then I'm just like, I haven't thought that through enough, and I'm just not going to tweet it, and yeah. that's it. Um, and and then I'm just quiet for more, more weeks at a time. <laughs> for more yeah. weeks. So I did something else from our last time that we connected. I... I won't say the, the person's name because 
It wasn't a negative experience. It was just a very flat experience. Let's call him out. <laughs> I'll tell you off, off air. YouTuber, very good size audience, helps other YouTubers. Has an offer to sit, sit with him on a one-on-one. It was 300 bucks for 30 minutes. Now, I've been doing YouTube since 2010. I'm not like brand new to this stuff. But I always have questions like, should I be tagging? Should I be doing SEO? Should I be doing this? You know, all these things running through your head. And I know at the end of the day is for YouTube, it's creating more content. That's just what that machine wants. And I hate it. I hate it because of that. But I also know that that's how it works. So whatever. Set up the time. It's all, you know, I go sign up, get the automated emails. You know, he has this process where it says, hey, share your stats with me through Google's account settings, share your stats with me. That way I can go and dive in and look at your stats. So man, I'm sitting there ready. Like this is, this is great. Professional. This is $600 an hour. This is what I expect. <laughs> right. You know, somebody's gonna look at my stats. Let's get into it. And then he's 10 minutes late, you know, to, you know, to the, to the call and I'm messaging him trying to be like, uh, okay, I get it. Send him the DMs and I'm replying to an email. I'm not getting a response. And does he really need to be invited to your Google analytics? You can't just show him or something. Yeah, like I mean, but I actually like, I was like, hey, this is cool because now you'll you'll look at this stuff prior to the meeting. And, and that's kind of what I expect for 600 bucks an hour. Like you're ready to go. I'm ready to go. We're professionals. Let's do this. <clears throat> and then he like shows, uh, you know, a couple, whatever, you know, 10 minutes late, a couple excuses, automation, yada, yada. So we just dive in and he's just, okay, where do you want, where do you want help? So I kind of like tell him, you know, what I'm looking for. I'm like, Hey, I know this is a therapy session, but I need, here's my competitors. Here's how they're growing. Here's how I'm not growing. Like, where do you think I'm like really missing the gap? But the short of it is he didn't even look at my account dashboard and it was everything I've always heard him say in his videos. It was the same thing. Yeah. It was thumbnail. The whole idea of a, of a personalized thing should be like, he should be asking you questions so that he can give you right. personalized yeah. feedback. So yeah. it was just one of those things where it's like, never meet your heroes kind of moment, especially when you're paying for it. And, you know, I mean, he, what, what it was, was he did, you know, hey, don't worry so much about the, you know, SEO in the description tagging, you know, all this other stuff, which was good because at least that silenced that part of my brain a little bit because that's always like on my mind, you know, but then it was kind of like, well, look, you know, we pulled up one of my competitors and it was just like, well, you know, that your competitor's thumbnail was better than yours. And I was like, I, th that was at that moment where I was just like, no, it, I was like, no, nah, it's not like his thumbnails aren't like blowing my thumbnails away. This is, I'm like, I think that that's kind of not really anyway so we moved on and and then it got like towards like towards the end i'm like all right well i have another question so this is like 20 minutes in so was, i was like all right so i got one more question on the technical on like audience retention you know how important is that and then he said something like oh he's like all right yeah just like one or two more questions and then we got to wrap it up <laughs> just like i just man like, dude like why are you even offering this yeah like, like dude if 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 I was doing uh, for thirty minutes, I would probably give that person an hour as long as they're not a maniac, you know. As long as you're not yeah. crazy, and you're not like this is not a weird thing. I'm giving you an hour, <laughs> right? I'm not like boom boom thirty. Yeah. And then as we that's the thing. I I mean, I've I've dabbled in some coaching, some of it recently, and then others going back a couple of years ago. I was doing that with productize. 
I always, if I do any sort of coaching, I really spend, first of all, half an hour is like too short, in my opinion, for anything. I feel like you, you can't even do it unless it's like an hour because it, a half, because I, I spend the first 20 minutes just asking questions. Right. You know, and then, and then the rest of it is, okay, now that I understand where you're coming from and you're, and sometimes just, there's just the act of asking the questions, asking hard questions is like, that's part of the value. Right. It's like somebody, somebody kind of like grilling you on hard questions, right? Yeah. Uh, but it's also a way for me to get an understanding of where you're coming from. And then I can spend 30, 40 minutes giving my thoughts on, on it. The other, the other thing I used to do years ago was website teardowns. And this was totally async where the person would send me, I think just, I think it was like, they just sent me the, their website and I would record like a 15 minute, 15, 20 minute first reaction walkthrough of their website. And it's totally me looking at their website and giving them feedback and, and that was that. And then recently I was doing, I, I sort of stopped this for now, but I doing some like product strategy coaching where we'd start with a big one question. We would sort of go back and forth for a half an hour and then we would have async follow-up for three or four days. And, and that would be like a one-time price, but it, it's ask one big question. I give you my big feedback. And then we have a, a there's always going to be like, Oh, all right. So now that you've given me that feedback, I've got one or two follow-up questions off of that. Let's, Let's cover those in the next three, four days, and then and then we wrap it up. Yeah, you know, basically what that whole oh yeah. So then, then like the kicker was, <clears throat> it was like he had a whether he rehearsed it or it was in, in front of him, he had a two minute like outro of fill out this survey on uh, G two or whatever it was. Like if you're really you know happy with this consultation, fill out this survey. And oh by the way, like I also have if you want to get my. If you want to get like my starter pack, blah, 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 like you can get it now for 50% off. I really appreciate the time we spent together today, yada, yada, yada. And I was just like, all oh, right, dude. God, it was just such a deflating experience. And, you know, I still really appreciate his content, but it did two things. <laughs> One, it encouraged me to have the same kind of offer. Well, the first part it was what it did is it, it made me realize like on YouTube anyway, the, the upload cadence the thumbnail, the title. And once the algorithm knows you for a specific thing, like you kind of lean into that and, until you start maybe shifting the algorithm again. And for me, it's that mm. like right now, anyway, I'm living in the 2024 theme, which is the default theme for WordPress. That's where I'm getting a lot of traffic. And I can understand that I can double down on that. And that's what he was telling me. He's like, you, you got to make 12 videos on 2024 and it's just going to compound and you're just going to see like, massive growth. And I don't think he's wrong with that because I've seen him do that. So that kind of put that, frame that for me. And then too, it's like, yeah, I feel like the thing with the, with the publishing frequently on YouTube, I don't think that it's the, it's the act of frequently publishing on YouTube that, that does it's, it's by, by publishing frequently, you're covering lots of topics and then you can see which ones hit right. and then you can go do more of those like right. the 24 theme, you know? Right. It's it's more about like you it gets you into the habit of publishing and and that's been a, that's been a big challenge for me. I'm just trying to get into the I'm trying to figure out the systems to outsource editing so that I can publish more and that's been a huge pain. Yeah, <laughs> maybe we can get into that. But so put that it sort of eased that and, and bolstered me on that side of it. And then two is like just coming up with a similar offering because <clears throat> one 
Always, so your offering now is basically it's membership and it's sponsors. Yeah. So it's membership and sponsors for the content, and then it's Google Ads, which is, you know, whatever. It's just a few hundred, few hundred bucks a month that comes in on that until you know views go up, etc. But training and education is is something that will always it has always existed existed in WordPress, and it's something that I think is still going to be like a thing that is still needed for you know years to come especially as wordpress changes dramatically the admin's going to change the way we're building these sites are going to change <clears throat> and having that as as a product or a service is something that I'm also interested in because that's something that I can mm. you know really sink my teeth into and I think could be a a money maker for you know for the business and like personalized training or like Either personalized or, or either personalized or like a more corporate setting. I think I got paid really well when I ran my agency, actually by Rutgers University. Okay. We went down there a few times to train their staff on just how to build pages. And they mm. paid us a lot of money. <laughs> they paid us a lot of money to just drive. Yeah, like uh, corporate yeah. workshops. Yeah. Kinda. And it was, and back then they were using like, WP Bakery or whatever it was before that. I can't even remember the name of it. Page Builder, like before page builders were a thing. And it was just like what they were building was just like a complete disaster, but they wanted us to show them how to do it the way they had it. And we did. And <laughs> we got paid really well for it. So <clears throat> that's a thing. And with the YouTube content, like that's where, because that's how I see my YouTube is, is tutorials and education. And then the news product is for like the 1% of WordPressers. That's the sponsors of Pressable, Bluehost, you know, OmniSend. Those are the, the folks that really want to support that kind of content. And then on the YouTube side, mm -hmm. it's hey, how do I use this WordPress thing? And if I just land in front of the right folks who want to get educated through one-on-one -on -one calls or a corporate environment, corporate environment with air quotes, that's something that's really interesting to me. So, yeah, I like that. I can see that. I can see that working <clears throat> well because it's. And I yeah, need to figure out like how to YouTube use YouTube can then be like a lead gen. Yeah, and I want to, my next step, literally, right now I just have a gravity forms to, to book a time. I literally only have mm -hmm. one call to action that went out the other day, but I want to set it up through through clarity flow so that I that I can serve more at scale, basically. Totally. I mean, that's, I mean, not to promote my own product here, but I but I will anyway. <laughs> the, the, I mean, I use I use it for asynchronous what happens is I push almost everything to asynchronous and because I'm right now I'm doing a consulting project with a company. It's like a two week sprint. I've been doing these where it's two weeks and I help you strategize and plan a big new product or a big new feature in your product. And, and I kick it off with a live call on, on day one, but then the rest of the two weeks is just like all asynchronous, like me going and thinking and writing stuff up in notion and then sending them a video on here's what I think about this. And here's some questions for you. And then they send it back to me. And then we go back and forth async. And, and I think what quickly happens is they start to realize I, and I firmly believe this. And I, and I think that clients see this pretty quickly is it's actually more useful, more productive, higher quality back and forth when it's async versus being live. Yeah. Like live is good for like a kickoff call or maybe a welcome or maybe a sales call or something like that. But once you're in the engagement and you're getting it and you're digging into the details, 
the asynchronous aspect is it's not just that it's more convenient. It's I have space to go think about it and right. prepare my thoughts and write up some notes and then send you a, a tight five minute thing of here, 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 what do you think about this? And then they can go digest it, think about it, sleep on it, and then come back to me. You know, like that's such a, a more productive way of going back and forth on the details, I find. Do you, you, know? do you ever feel like, what, how do you bridge the urgency gap? Don't send me anything urgent through this. Like, how do you bridge that gap at all? Does that ever come up? Well, in this engagement and most of the engagements, it's like we're working on one project. So it's not like I'm here to give you generalized support on whatever might come okay. up. It's more like you brought me in to for one specific goal and we're going to work on that. Got it. For, for two or three weeks. Um, so, so it's almost like in both of our best interests. So let's take our time and <laughs> yeah. think through to, to make every, every video sort of count right. or every message sort of like, let's, let's move the ball forward toward our goal. At the end of this two weeks, we, we want to have a clear plan in place for what we're building. But I do, I do experience some of that with my team right now. I'm going back and forth with my assistant and trying to, <laughs> This could be like probably a whole other, other episode of this podcast is trying to get her set up to be able to edit my videos on, on uh, uh, like my YouTube videos. But just the setup, get, getting her to get access to the right Dropbox folder and sharing DaVinci Resolve projects and all this crap is literally, it's, it's literally taken us like two weeks just to get her to be able to open up a project and edit it. And there's lots of fast, like, all right, wait, are, are you seeing this on your screen? I'm seeing it on my screen. Like, you know. And we're in two completely different time zones and she's on Windows and I'm on Mac and it's, it's just been, so that's where throughout one day we'll have a lot of fast back and forth messages on Clarity Flow, mm -hmm. sometimes within, within minutes or within an hour or so. Um, but those are just like quick two teammates working together on something, yeah. you know? And you wanted to go just to, and they just bookend this. But then sometimes even, even then it's like, it's still better than hopping on a call because right, literally right now as we speak, me and Aaliyah are in the middle of trying to figure out this big technical problem. But at two o'clock, I had a call with you. So it's, I probably have a message from her waiting in my inbox now, and I'll get back to her later. You know, there's no urgency. It's just like we, we go back and forth every 15 minutes for a couple hours. And then, and then one of us gets busy. Maybe she goes to dinner or I go, go into a call or something. And then, and then, you know, then, then suddenly there's like a delay and then, and then we're kind of back at it and it's, you know, and she's literally like on the other side of the world. So <laughs> we, we, we expect there's going to be like these random delays that come up and that's just part of the, part of the dynamic, you know? So I'll, I'll bookend that's, those are my updates. Those are the things I'm, you know, I've, I've gone, gone through. We'll transition to you because we've buried the lead uh, a bit about uh, the limited series of breaking content. So we'll transition to some of the stuff you're working on. But let me just throw a monkey wrench at you. Did you not want to use, I mean, I know you were heavily invested in DaVinci Resolve. You probably like it from like the effects and, and color grading workflow. But if you used an app like Descript, then you'd actually have native collaboration built right in. The file is just shared and she can edit. I think she and I both have become really frustrated with Descript and we've stopped using it. Oh, okay. E even on podcasts. I think... I don't think it's great for, I know that it can do video and stuff, but it's not, it's not like a professional video editor no. for YouTube videos and stuff. But then 
I thought that I was going to use it for a while, but honestly, like Descript, I don't know how much, I, I know you're a big Descript guy, but like, I find it incredibly buggy and slow mm -hmm. to, to open up and start projects to a point where it's, it, it took so long to load this 30 minute podcast conversation that that resulted in shifting the whole time, the whole thing by, by 20 seconds. And then that screwed up the whole thing. Yeah. And then I love it in theory, especially editing the text file, edit, edits the video or edits the audio. I love that concept, but yeah, no, it's, it's just not going to work. Um, yeah. I mean, it, you have to be really dialed in with knowing what you want out of Descript. And I am hundred percent there with you. Like it's not, you know, I did a, a pretty in-depth edit for what I normally do for YouTube and DaVinci Resolve the other day. <clears throat> Tiles, transitions, sound effects, just operating the timeline alone in DaVinci Resolve is way faster and more efficient than Descript. Yeah, and I got good with the keyboard. Key, like I customized yeah. some keyboard shortcuts on the on video editing in in Resolve, and then and then I have some like text titles that fly in and some audio some 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 like audio effect, you know whoosh sound effects and stuff like that. Um, um, you know, I, I did, I did start to look at like other options because I'm, I am finding it really difficult to share a project with an editor using DaVinci Resolve. Yeah. And so they're on DaVinci Resolve version 18 and with the version 18, like their big new feature is this like cloud collaboration feature. Mm -hmm. It's like they're basically their version of what, what Descript has. It's like a, yeah. Supposed to be a pretty slick, like cloud-based, like collaborate with other people. Sure. And I tried it out, and it just did not work. <laughs> like, like the the thing that that their demo thing is showing me. Like, I'm trying it, and no, it doesn't. It doesn't function the way that you. Yeah, yeah. Like, it's just it, it's it's a version one. Uh, it really more like a beta cloud feature. Mm -hmm. And I tried it. I banged my head against the desk, and I was like, this is just not going to work. So in, instead, I'm I'm still resorting to a Dropbox-based approach to sharing projects and that too has been a huge headache yeah like sharing the sharing the dropbox folder and then davinci has its own sort of like project database system which is like different from an actual folder on your on your computer and yeah it's a it's it's tough <laughs> and, and i i actually had a tweet about this the other day i was like somebody should really and I've I've seen all the YouTube videos that try to cover on how to collaborate with a with a remote editor, and none of them really cover it well, and none of them get into the nuance that you have to figure out. But there are so many little problems. So like somebody should come out with a course or a guide or a, or a really good YouTube video on this, and it's not going to be me because we're having <laughs> trouble with it. But the can't solve the internet. Somebody should problems. cover like how because because video editing, it's it's easy to outsource anything. But video editing is especially difficult to yeah. outsource technically, you know, because because the files are so big. I saw you tweeting about you it know? the other day you know, about finding one. And That's the thing. It's it's not just so. And there are so many little problems with it because most most remote video editors, they are freelancers. So they probably have their own Dropbox account and they've got other clients and they've got their own stuff. And I have a Dropbox account and. I need to be able to share this huge, each individual video project is going to have multiple gigabytes of media files to share. I got to make sure that A, we could actually share the project and both access the project and I can go back into it and make more edits after she's done. But also I need to make sure that I'm not going to overload her computer and her storage with my stuff. And 
and she can't be paying for Dropbox. It's my project, so I need to be paying for all this right, storage, right. not her. It's just such a mess, you know? Yeah, I mean, I think for freelancers, they're just dealing with raw files. So, hey, Mr. and Mrs. Customer, you just send me your footage. I do the rest. They're not co- They're not trying to collaborate across a DaVinci project where you are, and, and that's really where probably yeah. the, the crux of this comes in. Because that's the thing. That's what I want to do with with any video editor is like, I, I will give her the raw stuff to start it off and then she will do all the all the cuts. That's like the most time consuming part is like cut like cut up like turn my twenty five minute footage of me sitting at the desk talking about something, like cut it down to eight minutes, you know, m- cut out all all my bad takes and and do all the all the cuts, get that taken care of. And then, and then she can put in the titles, but then I can go in at the end and maybe we need a screencast to cover this part or we need to, you know, or I need to make some final edits. I, I should be able to go into the project and finish it up, you know. We have about That's 18, we have about 18 minutes left. I want to frame it up. This is going to be the last episode that we do. You messaged me and said, hey, I don't think I, I have the bandwidth for this. We both, we both truly don't. <laughs> yeah. We both truly don't. And you, you have obviously have a lot going on. You have the software business, and then you have this new business, and doing a little bit of consulting. We've been doing this in one-hour increments. We're going to let this episode go out. We've been doing it in one-hour increments and then slicing it up into two episodes for the month, two 30-minute parts. We'll let this run as the full episode through, through this episode. I'd imagine okay. <clears throat> yeah. you did some exploration, some internal thinking, and said, I really got to dial in on the stuff that I have in front of me now so that you can be as successful as possible with those few things at hand. Fair statement? I'm, I'm trying to do that. There, there's still going to be, so I just came back from two trips, which are big snow, tiny comp. I, I call them, they're sort of like mastermind trips with, with a lot, with a bunch of founder friends. We go skiing and snowboarding and we talk about business and, and it's a good like annual retreat where I spend some time and get feedback, but also do some thinking on what are the priorities. In some ways, like my priorities haven't changed a whole lot, but in other ways, they sort of are. So I am I, I, I am still interested in growing my YouTube channel and, and doing more content this year, for sure. But I think that before the trips, like in, in the, in the, during the, the previous episodes we were doing, I was much more, I was thinking more in the mindset of I'm going all in on this. YouTube content audience growth treadmill, and I'm committing to that for 2024. And and now I'm backing off of that to say I still want to do it, but it's just going to be more of a side hustle alongside the the businesses that I'm working on. Um, uh, but but I, I'm talking about one of the things that's enabling it to be a side thing is I'm outsourcing the editing. Hopefully, once we get that Dropbox shit figured out, but the once we get her set up for for doing the editing, then I should, in theory, be able to once or twice a month sit down and write a script and create a video and send it off, and maybe we can publish one or or two a month instead of one or two a week. So that's number one. But the you know, I'm still spending roughly half of my time working on Clarity Flow. It's starting to, to tick up right now, and I just hired someone to work on customer success on Clarity Flow. That's like roughly half of my time. And then the other half is now I'm doing 
a bit more consulting on product, like building products for clients and consulting on product strategy with clients. Um, and, and I'm working on like a, a new website to promote my consulting work. And, but I think that that sort of a little bit ties in with the stuff that I want to do on YouTube. YouTube is still under the name full stack founder. That's still about teaching people how to code, how to design, how to build your own products. I still want to sort of like water that plant a little bit and, and keep those videos going. But I think that that could also generate some interest in working with me as a, as a product builder, product consultant. Do you so, think you're getting more traction in the consultancy side now? I wouldn't call it like a lot of traction. I have a couple of clients that I'm, I'm I mean, I, I work with one at a time. I, I just wrapped up one and then I'm working on a second one right now. I'm, I have two other ones that I'm talking to about starting up in the next couple of weeks. Um, uh, and these are just through my personal network. These are mostly like friends in the industry who, who happen to need the type of help that I'm offering. And so that's, that's a good start. I think it's, it's nice. Like ha having friends who run SaaS companies who happen to have a need for some product work, but what I'm actually working on right now, like today is writing up a new landing page to really promote this as like a consulting offer, not really productized, but, but kind of just writing it up in terms of trying to, you know, the, the sales pitch for, for why it makes sense to, to bring me in. And, and then I'll, I'll probably do more of an active effort to pass that out to, to more people who could generate some lead flow this year. You know, I was listening to your last episode with Jordan and you were saying something about like that slow growth <clears throat> that, that like any SaaS business, you know, is going to have, I forget how you framed it or like a bootstrap person is going to have. And I think you said something like growing clarity flow at this point is just going to take all these like bigger time consuming aside from, you know, bringing in a bunch of cash and throwing it at like pay-per-click and just like injecting traffic, doing these slower moving, more organic content engagements, whether that's you know, you host the pod, you have your podcast that points to Clarity Flow now, but you could be on more podcasts and guest appear on these podcasts. You could create more videos like, but all this stuff is a lot slower. It doesn't inject yeah. traffic right away. Everything in Clarity Flow is slow. It, it, it's growing, but right. it's just slow. It just takes time. And I think, and I think that the, the big takeaway that I have going from 2023 to 2024 is I tried to throw money at at the marketing funnel machine. Let's like, this thing basically works. We have customers who come and they really like it and they convert. We just need a lot more of them to come more frequently. Right. And in theory, you should be able to like spend dollars and get more customers, especially if you have a product that fits. That honestly, I just don't believe that that is the case. <laughs> and and there might be people listening who are just like, okay, Brian, you're just bad at marketing. And there's probably a lot of truth to that. But I have a, I don't know, like a working theory that in 2024, you can't just spend money and generate more demand if it's, if it's not there naturally. Mm. You can't like buy your way to a distribution channel. There's a lot of companies who do really well because they have a really good distribution channel. You know, maybe they started off with a huge audience or maybe they 
they're plugged into some app store that's sending them a lot of traffic or they have a really key close integration partnership and that's been really beneficial for them. But if you don't, if you don't have one of those inroads or one of those built-in advantages, I just, the only other way to grow fast, I think, would be if, if, if the world happens to be throwing a huge wave of demand at you. If right now you just have the type of product where there is just a sudden surge in, in demand. I mean, I think WordPress saw this maybe five or 10 years ago where, where it's just like every year there are millions and millions of more people building WordPress sites. And it just floated like every, every WordPress company just felt this wave of demand, give them a, a rush of, of momentum, right? That's the kind of thing that, that, so it's either you have this distribution channel or you have this unusually high demand for your, for your thing. But if you're in like the other 90% of startups <laughs> <laughs> that, that don't have this distribution channel and yeah, there's, I see demand for clarity flow. We, we literally get, you know, hundreds of signups a month and, 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 and like a lot of them convert into paying customers, but we're doing things that just slowly inch that up month yeah. after month, but it's, it's not going to see a hockey stick growth in 2024. It's just not, you know? So like the only thing that actually, and the, and then the, and then I spent a lot of time looking at like, where do our actual customers come from? Right. We, you know, we get people Googling like Googling for like asynchronous coaching or asynchronous communication and stuff like that. And that, that leads to our homepage. That's one chunk of our customers. And then the other big chunk is like literally just coaches talking about it. They, they word of mouth, they tell, they tell other coaches about it, or there's sort of a viral loop. Like they see it from another coach. I spent thousands on pay-per-click. It drove no customers. I, it, I spend I do some cold email outreach that sort of works a little bit. It, it adds a handful of more customers a month. It's not huge. And then, and I've, I've, I've done pay-per-click. I've done integrations. I've done, I, we have an affiliate program. I've, I've paid for sponsorships. Like I've done all these things and nothing moves the needle like just plain old word of mouth. Mm. You know, like somebody using the product, they like it, they tell someone. Yeah. And so the, that's the only thing that we can do at this point is like keep making the product better and keep helping customers be successful with the product. And so that's, that's the only investment that I made in Clarity Flow this year is hiring a customer success person. And she's just starting up right now. And, and the idea is to have her give more personalized attention to every customer who comes in than I'm able to give. And that should, that should have the effect of improving our conversion rate, like converting more trials to customers and because they get better help, they are, they stay, they stay around a lot longer. So that reduces churn rate. And because they had such a great experience, they will tell their people more, more readily than they, than they do now. And that should, that should help, you know, grow it a little bit, but I'm sort of done with spending big on these like big funnel experiments that are going to grow the top of funnel, you know? I mean, from the out, I think when people listen you know, even when I'm listening to your other podcasts, it almost sounds, don't take this the wrong way, but it sounds like you're almost like, it feels like just, just at the, I'm going to give up on like putting all of my effort into this, but then I'm getting email updates from you. You're, you're launching new features. And I think, you know, for the, the folks listening to this, who also follow Brian's stuff on his other channels is, Hey, it's, it's, it's just a more organic 
way of growing this product. I think I see this a lot more in the WordPress space where people are launching plugins, but they're still doing their services. Like they still have, yeah. like they're still plugin service. And there's a, there's a fine balance there. And I think, you know, to put, a, I think you're right about that. Yeah. I, I think you're, I think you're reading it correctly. And I, and I, it's, it's, I'm not giving up on clarity flow. Like I said, I, j I just hired somebody to work on clarity right. flow and I still have a developer who works on it every single day yeah. and I work on it every day. Yeah. But, but in 2024, it, it has come to a point where I, I can't give it a hundred percent of my hours anymore. Right. I, it, it just, I can't afford to do that. Mm -hmm. It doesn't, it doesn't pay for that. Right. So I've come to the conclusion that this is how that business survives. Right. If, if, if I can still give it some resources and, and I have to do, I have to be working on other things that can not only just generate income, but I'm trying to build other stuff, like in yeah. other assets, like the YouTube channel and stuff like that. Um, you know, and that's the hard thing about having a podcast and being public about stuff is that I think, I think most listeners, even I, I love my listeners, but I, and, and it's just the nature of the medium. It, it has this effect of making things sound like bigger than they actually are yeah, like yeah. businesses. And also it's almost like if I'm talking about my business clarity flow or whatever it is, it's just just the act of talking about it makes it sound like I'm 100% all in on this thing. Or or if I'm talking about something else, it's, oh, then I must not be touching clarity flow at all. And, right. But there's a lot more nuance to it. I'm yeah, literally yeah, spending yeah. half my hours on one thing and yeah. half my hours on another. And it's that's hard to come across in a, <laughs> you know, because people like to hear, people tune into the podcast because they're hoping to hear like, a story and a, and a rocket ship that starts on the ground and, yeah. then it, and then it keeps going up and up and up, but that's not reality. You know? yeah, yeah, so, yeah. And it's hard for um, people to, you know, you know, I listen to it well, cause I've been listening to you guys for, you know, forever. And, you know, same thing, like the story and like to just hear you guys talk about stuff. And, but I think there might be a, just a healthy set of other folks who are listening. Okay. When they run into that problem, how do I solve it on, on my side? They did a thing in marketing. How can I do it on, on my side? You know, and I think that, you know, that's, that's the benefit that the audience gets from, you know, listening to both of your experiences. Yeah. Full stack. And I, I, <clears throat> yeah, sorry. Go I was going to say full stack and full stack founder, like you were thinking, all right, I might back at end of 2023, you might be thinking, okay, I'm going to go all in with this. This will be the, the product, a new product, a new stream, but maybe now that one gets slid to the side a bit. Maybe that only takes 20% of your effort. And consulting slides. Yeah, because I think, I think that the the conclusion that I came to more recently is that's fine to do some YouTube stuff, but it's not going to pay the bills anytime soon. Right. You know, the thing that does pay the bills faster is consulting work. Yeah. And I thought that I, because I thought that I was going to do more more like coaching work, and I I had started to do that in like December and January, but I I didn't find the coaching to be very effective or, or like kind of a good use of my time. So I actually shut that down to in, in favor of more traditional like consulting work. And, and now the consulting that I'm doing is sort of two flavors. One is me being an advisor on your product. You can, that sort of looks like coaching, but it's, it's deeper than that. I, I am diving into the detailed planning and strategic road mapping of, of your product. And then the other one is actually built more longer term multi-month engagements to to have me and my 
small team actually build a product for for you yeah um uh that's so so there's a those are like the two things that i'm that i'm kind of building out in terms of i i think that's something that especially the build like the building products as, as a service type of thing that that could that has the potential to turn into an agency model mm -hmm. down the road i would say in the short term it's more like me consulting um uh so it's a way to bring in a decent income it's still me building products which i love to do that's that's where i think i add the most value is either advising on product or building products and you get to and, use you get uh, to use your own product like while while you're helping people, and and I use Clarity Flow when I yeah. when I consult with people. Yeah. yeah. So I mean, like they could start using it for their own teams or like their own customers, right? So there's there is a little yeah. bit of a cool opportunity there to be like, I communicate on this product, and you can have it too, you know, if you want, you know, if you want to engage your own. Uh, yeah, there's a little base. bit of that. It's 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 nice to dog food it a yeah. little bit. Yeah. Cool, man. Anything else that you're looking forward to for the for the rest of the year? Any other big goal that you came up with on those? I mean, I know that the theme of this podcast is about content, and I I really do I I don't I don't want to give up on I I feel like I have I published four videos on my YouTube channel. I have a fifth one that I recorded a couple of weeks ago, and that's going to be the first one that that Aaliyah, my assistant, will edit for me. And but that's been waiting for her to get set up as the editor. So that's why there's been like such a delay in like. I, I published the first four. I have a fifth that's just been waiting and waiting before for her to figure out this and for her and I to figure out the, the editing setup. But what I want to do going forward is like whenever I have a free week. Yeah, right. I never have any free weeks. <laughs> I, I want to start to be able to record more videos and just put them into Dropbox and have her edit them. And then hopefully in the next couple of weeks and months, I'll get back into the swing of having a regular cadence of new videos. I will say the other thing about it is like by by taking a step back on the YouTube stuff and the full stack founder stuff, I'm also removing some pressure. I thought that I had to build that up as quickly as possible to get to a point where I could start to sell courses through it. Mm. And so my my thought in the in the early videos was like let me be the teacher. Let me show let me teach you how to learn how to code step by step. And I still might do an educational course at some point, but now it's, I don't, like, I could just maybe publish more like opinion-based content, you know, or just thought pieces about my philosophy on products or my philosophy on building stuff or design patterns and stuff like that. And let's just see where, where that stuff goes, because it's just a side hustle. It's just something that I'm doing to hopefully grow an audience the the stuff that will make money is the consulting work and and growing clarity flow. Yeah. So it's like by by not needing YouTube to necessarily make money, I can just kind of just go go wherever the content or the inspiration takes me rather than trying to feel like I have to teach a curriculum. Yeah. You yeah. Know? yeah, and you're and like what you did with the podcast or do with the podcast, it's just increasing that surface luck area, right? Stuff the term that we've we've known for a while now is like the more you're putting it out there, if you can lessen that production overhead, you know, once you get your editors aligned and everything, then there's less of all that cognitive load. And then you can get those opinion pieces out faster. You're just increasing that awareness, right? And at the end of the day, I think that's yeah. going to unlock some more opportunity for you. That's the goal. Fantastic stuff. So I, you know, I, I didn't expect to have to cut my side of this podcast short so, so quickly, but 
I don't know what your plans are for this thing, but I think it would be cool to get like another, to have maybe seasons where you have, it's like you plus a different person each season, you know, a different person who's, who's, who's breaking content, right. if you will, right? <laughs> you know, bring, bring someone else in who's either just starting up or they're, or they're in the swing of things with their content and you do a, a, a string of episodes with them. We is, that, is that what you had in mind for this? Or? <laughs> we successfully broke full stack founder. <laughs> no, I mean, it, it wasn't, it literally was like, was to really just tell your story of getting that, that off the ground. And, and also at the same time, like showing like where, where I'm at with creating content. But I think where, mm-hmm. I think that's what I'll do next is just kind of see if anyone else wants to uh, co-host and really share as intimately as we both have for the last couple of months. And uh, yeah, maybe we turn it into mini seasons and whatever pressure point somebody's dealing with with their content creation journey at that time will be the bookend to that season, right? Instead of infinity, it's just one thing at a time. Yeah, for sure. These humans can't even keep up with a podcast. Nope. Four episodes wasn't a lot, was it? Matt did tell us it was a limited series, didn't he? Oh, well, if you're interested in hosting some breaking content episodes with Matt, DM him on Twitter or LinkedIn. He's using it a lot more now. Great. More content on another social media network. Just what we need. Don't you know, marketers ruin everything. They should have just left the show up to us. We don't eat, sleep, or even ask for money. Thanks for listening to Breaking Content hosted by Matt Medeiros. This episode was produced and edited by Matt Medeiros. Our website is www.breakingcontent.co. Thank you.